Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. HousingWire Daily examines the most compelling mortgage, real estate, and fintech articles reported from the HousingWire newsroom. Each afternoon, the HW Digital team provides our listeners with a deeper look into the stories that are helping move markets forward. Hosted and produced by Alcina Lloyd and Victoria Wickham. And now, here's our host. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Victoria Wickham, and this is Housing Wire Daily. Today's episode features an interview between Housing Wire Managing Editor James Kleiman and Melissa Cohn, Executive Mortgage Banker at William Ravis Mortgage. In this episode, Kleiman and Cohn discuss New York City's rebounding mortgage market, general capacity struggles in appraisal and title insurance, why the 1% are financing their new purchases, and what to make of the wave of IMB IPOs. But before we listen, here's a brief word on HousingWire's newest podcast. Right now, more than ever, the housing industry has been having honest conversations about how race impacts the home buying process. To heighten the discussion, Housing Wire is launching Honest Conversations, a new mini podcast series to examine the state of minority home ownership in America. For eight weeks starting in February, please join Housing Wire Daily each Wednesday as we aim to provide listeners with a greater perspective on how race, housing, and wealth intersect and what experts are doing to close the home ownership gap. Hey guys, I am James Kleiman. I'm the mortgage editor here at HousingWire, and uh, I'm, I'm really excited today. Uh, I'm going to be chatting with Melissa Cohn, who is a pioneer and a veteran of the mortgage industry. She is legendary in a lot of respects. She's been here in mortgage for 40 years or so, Melissa. Just um, about. Yeah, it's it's been quite a career, and and she's not she's not looking at retirement quite yet. So Melissa is uh, now at William Ravis Mortgage, where she's heading up the firm's New York City and East Hamptons offices. Uh, and before that, she started at Citibank in the early '80s. She's been everywhere, done everything. Uh, Melissa, thank you so much for joining. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks, James. So happy to be here. Yeah. So I, I think it was August the last time we spoke, and I had just left. Brooklyn, and I was heading out to uh, Shelter Island, which is near the Hamptons. And you know these markets pretty much better than any mortgage broker uh, in America. And and at the time, I remember we talked about how Manhattan and the condo market was really suffering. And they had a ton of inventory. People just didn't want to buy at that point. Um, and prices hadn't quite collapsed to the point where good deals were to be had. Um, whereas the Hamptons was booming. I mean, exploding with business. Can you offer an update? Kind of what's what's happening in these markets today? 
Well, I, you know, so the funny thing is, is that I actually am sitting in Sag Harbor, which is right next to Shelter Island. So Perfect. know this market well and know the city well as well. Um, the Hamptons market continues to be really strong. I think the biggest issue we have out here is sort of the polar opposite of what's going on in New York City, and that is there's a lack of inventory. So there are probably more buyers than there are houses to be sold. Um, and that marketplace out here is continuing to sort of struggle trying to find inventory. And, uh, you know, it sort of keeps moving along, certainly not at the pace that it was this summer, simply because everything has been sold. New York City is sort of has changed a lot since August. In August, you're right, the market was very quiet in the city. COVID was, you know, a big issue. We didn't have a vaccine on the horizon. And people just were sort of still fleeing the urban areas, fleeing the city. And now that's taken a turn. We now have a vaccine. Uh, prices have dropped. We think that we're now back into a real buyer's market in New York City. And I've seen a lot more activity in New York City. I will say that the buyers I see in New York City uh, are looking for good opportunities. Um, I'm not going to call them bottom fishers. Um, <laughs> but, you know, people who are buying in New York City are trying to take advantage of the opportunity that COVID has brought to them um, and looking for the smart buys. And I'm seeing a lot of people who are purchasing a lot of activity, clients who have been on the sidelines for now almost a year, really feel that now is the opportunity, now is the time to step back, especially now that we do have a vaccine and, you know, as the country gets vaccinated, it'll be safer to be back and living in an urban environment and, you know, prices at some point will be restored. So people are trying to take op take the opportunity to buy now. Interesting. And, and I don't see any additional inventory in the Hamptons either. You know, I don't see a lot of building. I see a lot of renovations. I see tons of people doing work on their homes. Um, Manhattan, pretty much everyone I know, they, they left. They went to upstate. You know, they, they hung out in the countryside. They went to Vermont. Are a lot of those people coming back? Or are there renters now who are maybe positioned um, to start buying in, in New York City? Well, I think one thing that I've seen that's interesting is I've actually talked to a number of people lately who have never lived in New York City. I spoke, talked to a couple yesterday who live in San Francisco who see this as an opportunity. They want to relocate and they want to move to New York City. So there are a lot of buyers who have not been in the city before, but feel that now is a good opportunity to purchase. And because of COVID, many companies have allowed us to go to a work from home format. And so where you live is really based on where you want to live and not where your boss is. Um, and there are also a lot of people that have been renting and, and people seizing an opportunity. Also, can you talk a little bit about financing at this point? I, I remember back when I started on the New York City real estate beat, it, it was like a joke, you know, like nobody financed their homes, um, or at least certainly not in that super luxury market segment um, that, that got the most ink. Um, it, it was a cash market, foreign buyers, you know, hedge funds, billionaires, um, what is it like today? Are, are, are there a lot more people looking to finance homes in the city than otherwise maybe would have been cash buyers a few years ago? Well, I think, you know, that's a very interesting question. First of all, mortgage rates are at historic lows. Yeah. So there are a lot of people who ordinarily may not have taken financing who are taking advantage of the fact that they can lock into mortgage rates in the mid twos. You know, when the economy starts to recover, when our country gets vaccinated, now that we have a Democratic-led Senate, 
Now, that all basically means that interest rates will start to go back up. So people are trying to take advantage of these historic lows. And as I call them, they're basically forever rates. Once you lock into a rate at two and a half percent, you're not going to see it again. And, you know, the banks are generally out there and and they want to make loans. You know, there was a lot of hesitation and some banks sort of curtailed some of their programs, reduced some of their maximum loan amounts uh, when COVID started. But as we have the vaccine and there's hope on the horizon, we've seen banks starting to come back out into the marketplace um, and really be more energetic about lending in this environment. Interesting. You know, a lot of those big banks that we talked about, I remember in August, they, they pretty much hit pause. You know, they would they would maybe fund a loan to a customer that had a, a very, very fat number on, on their bank account, uh, but they weren't taking in a lot of new business. Uh, they were they were pretty much on the sidelines waiting, especially in notably in the jumbo space. Or say they, more in the new condominium space. I think yeah. that's really where we've seen banks take a pause. And in fact, some of the major banks in the New York area have said that they want to they'll only lend 70 or 75% financing on a new condominium today. The good news for us in New York is that we have so many portfolio and regional lenders that are more comfortable in the space. They perhaps didn't have millions of people who were in forbearance and didn't have the same sort of liquidity and credit concerns that the big banks have who have been out there willing to lend and are continuing to lend and lend at high loan to values. Interesting. Are are you able to talk a little bit about kind of, um, a lot has been made about the digitization of real estate and mortgage, uh, especially given given COVID and, and how it's affected how, how close people can physically be in proximity. Could you talk a little bit about some of the tools that, that you are maybe now using that you didn't use before um, to get loans done, to process all, all the volume? I understand you're still handling quite a large volume of, of business these days. You know, it's very interesting because the mortgage business has been highly technology driven for a number of years. So we went paperless probably almost 10 years ago. So as though we were preparing for COVID to happen. Um, We now send our disclosures online. We utilize e-consents. There are certain programs that we can use where by virtue of having clients' bank account numbers and information that we can obtain their bank statements for them. We can obtain uh, transcripts from the IRS. So, you know, technology has really helped the mortgage industry in some ways to really be able to uh, be efficient, you know, from a distance. We don't need to have someone hand signing paperwork. I mean, there are, of course, banks who are still very old fashioned who want real bank statements and real tax returns. Um, but we've utilized technology. I think where we've seen COVID sort of step in is more on the closing end of it where there are certain lenders that have allowed people to do virtual closings. Mm-hmm. We've been able to do virtual power of attorneys um, in order really to make sure that the entire process is a remote process and no one's put at risk of COVID when it comes to the mortgage process. I think the one issue that we have where it's not always the case is when it comes to appraisals. Um, there are some banks that will allow what we call a desktop appraisal or an exterior only appraisal, meaning that they don't have to come in and phys- physically inspect the apartment or the home. Um, but there are other banks, especially in the jumbo marketplace, that are requiring an old fashioned interior exterior appraisal where it does require that an appraiser goes into that property, walks around it, measures it, takes pictures and rely upon that appraisal uh, in order for loan approval and closing. Right. And we're not even close to 
Uh, I believe the the FHA has, has signaled that they might be interested in doing hybrid appraisals where, you know, like a real estate agent will go in, take the message or, you know, look through things and send it back uh, to the actual appraiser, which should cut down on on cost and, and timing. Also, you can use listings. Like I have one deal yep. that I'm working on right now. It's actually sort of a hard money type deal, but the seller will not let the appraiser into the property because he's terrified of COVID and you can't blame him. Sure. So what we suggested that they do is that they do an exterior appraisal. Go, it was a condominium. Go visit the building, look at the lobby. Um, and then we sent them the listing. Listings today, because listings have become virtual, tend to have videos that show the apartment. There are many more photos than there may have been in the past. And a lot more information is available just through the listing. Yeah, I think one of the tricky things is getting the mechanicals and making sure that the building, right, like especially if it's a condo or a co-op, it's you're not just buying an apartment, right? Like you're buying into a much bigger structure. And that's that's got to be a little bit tricky. Um, Melissa, I, I understand that you're also, you know, beyond doing a lot of deals in, in New York City and in the Hamptons, You've also got some some works in the pipeline in Florida mm-hmm. and in California and maybe Boston. Am I right about that one? I do some financing in Massachusetts, Connecticut. Could you talk a little bit about some of those markets, kind of what you're seeing uh, you know, over the last few months? Well, I think that we've all seen that because of COVID, people have been leaving urban areas and going to suburban areas. And where I've seen a, really a hotbed of activity is in the Florida marketplace. Because not only do you have a home and you can be more spread out, but the weather's better. Sure. You know, they're not. We're we're here sitting in New York in 30 degree weather, and it's 80 degrees in Florida right now. Um, and what's most interesting is I've seen a ton of activity on the West Coast in the Naples area. I have a client who's been looking for a property and started out looking at a two and a half million dollar property. And and in Florida, they really there basically are very no mortgage contingencies or they're very short mortgage contingencies. Contracts, people want, you know, be closed in 30 days. And if you can't move quickly enough, that house is gone and there are 10 other buyers behind it. So Um, it's critical that that you have a lender that, that is ready to close within 30 days, right? Absolutely. And you know, there are some banks who are capable of getting you closed in 30 days, and there are others that are barely capable of closing you in 90 days. I think that the biggest, <laughs> we all know, um, you know, the biggest issue, though, today, I find in terms of a delay in the process has been with the appraisals, mm-hmm. um, more so in suburban areas like the Hamptons, where appraisers need to actually go into county or town offices in order to get uh, validate comps and get other information. Right. Um, and, you know, I see appraisals in the Hamptons now that are taking, you know, three weeks to happen. So I can get a bank to underwrite a file, you know, here at Ravis as a mortgage banker, I can bring in a loan application in and I can have it disclosed and underwritten in two or three days. But if I don't have an appraisal for three weeks, I'm not going to be able to get that deal closed as quickly as some people would like. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because the marketplace is a little slower or had, and there's probably more availability of data, obviously, with Acris and, and technology. Um, it's not as bad in New York City, but in any sort of suburban area where we don't have an Acris or access to information digitally, the appraisals are slowing the process down tremendously. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. Are, are you still having any capacity issues with, with title insurance or is that industry started, you know, that's that's one of the biggest adopters of new technology um, in the real estate space over the last few years. Has it caught up? Capacity is still at record, you know, record volumes. Um, sadly, it really hasn't caught up. Um, you know, getting title, getting the title search done happens very quickly because that's done mostly digitally. But in terms of getting the 
municipals and CO searches. You know, for example, out here in the Hamptons, it's taking a month to get them done. Um, it's happening a little bit faster in the city, but in many other suburban areas, you know, around the country, it's taking a long time just because there is record volume. And, you know, the, unfortunately, our entire country hasn't embraced technology the way New York City has uh, over the course of the past five years. I wish that every town had ACRIS. I, I can't believe you, you said a month for title to clear? A month. So, Melissa, you've you've been in the business for decades. You've seen so many cycles, boom and bust. Um I feel like mortgage is at a really interesting place right now and that so many of the big IMBs, which have overtaken the market from the traditional banks, they're now going public. Um, and, and, you know, in some ways, I think that's good and that they don't have to rely so much on warehouse lines of credit. They can tap debt much more cheaply. But I, I wonder, since a lot of this is pri- private equity driven what that will eventually mean for this space. Do you have a take on kind of all these big IMBs going public, Quicken and UWM and HomePoint and Loan Depot Depot, now. guaranteed rate? I mean, I, I get dizzy thinking about all the companies. Well, I think, first of all, they're all trying to take advantage of the opportunity with record volumes um, in setting, you know, sort of record valuations. And, you know, theoretically, at least now, it should be a good thing. I think the issue that we'll have will come in the future when what happens when the mortgage industry slows down, when private equity is not as interested in their investment in these mortgage banks, and is it going to make them as nimble and as competitive as they are today, or will they sort of step back and become second fiddle again to the big banks? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Melissa, it has been a pleasure as always. Thank you so much for joining me, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll talk soon. Anytime, James. Great to talk to you. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing Housing Wire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Alcina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and we'll catch everyone back here again tomorrow.